Did you bring a Bible with you this morning? I want you to open to a couple of places. Let's look at Hebrews chapter 4 and Hebrews chapter 10. Hebrews chapter 4, Hebrews chapter 10. Let me make a statement to you that I know you've probably heard and you've probably thought at some point in your life, but I want it to resound in you maybe in a way it hasn't before. And that is this. There is supposed to be a difference. There's supposed to be a difference in your life versus the life of someone who doesn't know God, who doesn't have Jesus, who hasn't come into contact with the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. There's supposed to be some kind of difference, right? There's supposed to be a difference. And if you kind of feel out of place sometimes, if you feel a little strange because of what you think and what you believe in the church you go to, it's because you are a little strange. If sometimes you feel a little weird and a little bit not like the crowd, it's because you're a little weird. Now, I'm not telling you it's okay to just be flaky and fruity and and just downright strange. But what I'm saying to you is that if normal is sick, depressed, anxious, worrisome, if that's normal, I'd rather be strange. Right? And there's supposed to be a difference. Let me show you this in Hebrews chapter four. Look at verse, we'll start in verse 14. Seeing then that we have a great high priest, talking about Jesus, who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the son of God, let us hold fast our confession. For we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weakness, but was in all points tempted as we are, yet without sin. Let us therefore come boldly. How does he want us to come? Boldly. Boldly. Let us come boldly to the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in a time of need. Hold your place there and look at Hebrews chapter 10. Verse 19 says, Therefore, brethren, having boldness. What do we have? How are we supposed to come? What do we have? How are we supposed to come? Therefore, brethren, having boldness to enter the holiest by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way, which he consecrated for us through the veil that is his flesh and having a high priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water, let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering for he who promised is faithful. How are we supposed to come? Boldly. Boldly. Boldness is confidence. And confidence is knowing something. This world that you and I are supposed to be so different from is marked and defined by its uncertainty about the future. Am I right? Isn't that what our news channels and our news outlets and and every voice that's got something pumping through it from this world, isn't it just filled with uncertainty about the future? It's panels of people and every one of them going, I don't know, I don't know. I don't know. 
I don't know. What about the economy? I don't know. Is it up? I don't know. Is it down? Is it going to come up? I don't know. I don't know. What about the government? I don't know. Well, we just don't know. We're just not sure what could happen. It could be this or it might be that. And it's, and it's professionals on every channel, all the time, all day, every day, basically going, we don't know. We don't know. We've never been here before. We've never experienced things like this before. And when you've never experienced something before, there tends to be built into it a certain amount of uncertainty. And that's why people are afraid of their future. This is why people are, are gripped and riddled with fear concerning their future. Why? Because they've never been there before. That's why people are afraid of the future. Why? Because they've never been there. They don't know. We haven't seen that before. We've never been there before. We don't know what's going to happen. There's uncertainty that goes along with something that you've never experienced. And it's that lack of experience that's keeping this world gripped with fear regarding the future. What's going to happen to our economy? We don't know. We plan for the worst. It could be terrible. It might come up. We just don't know. And when there's uncertainty, there tries to be this fear that couples that goes along with that. But if you and I are supposed to be different and this world is marked by its uncertainty, you and I should be marked by our boldness and confidence and certainty regarding our future. I want to talk to you today, today about living bold beyond uncertainty. Because really the only people in this life who have any reason, right, or excuse to be bold are people with faith in Jesus. Other than that, you just don't know. You don't know what the future holds. Many of you know that Sarah and I had an experience in our lives almost a year ago that completely changed everything for us. Turned our world upside down, inside out, in every imaginable way. Changed our lives radically and dramatically. We had a baby. Can you believe it? This little boy is going to be a year next month, a year old next month. And I'm telling you, he has changed everything, everything. And, and he's messed it all up in the, in the best, most beautiful way imaginable. He has messed everything up. And the funny thing is, is right now we're watching him as he's crawling. He is the fastest thing on two knees and two hands. And he is everywhere right now. And he is into everything. I have no idea why we buy this kid toys. He's not interested in toys. He's interested in iPhones. He's interested in pots and pans. He's interested in anything that he's not supposed to be interested in. And this kid is everywhere all the time. And the funny thing is, is looking at him right now as he's almost a year old, the, the miracle of all of it, and what I'm really trying to understand is how that the time it took him to, to age a year, it, I aged three. <laughs> Within the same time that he aged a year, I've aged at least three. I'm just fully sure of that. And as I'm looking at him right now as this one-year-old little boy who's kind of into everything and, and crawling around everywhere, it's difficult to remember. You parents know what I'm talking about. Even just a few months ago when he was so tiny and didn't go anywhere, didn't do anything, he just laid there. And he was a handful then, but now even more. And you try to remember that. And we look at pictures, so I know it happened, but it's, <laughs> it's trying to consciously recall it. 
And then to go back even further to like right when he was born and try to remember that day. I, seriously, I think it was the sleep deprivation that does something to kind of block your memory of all of that. But here's what's even more challenging to go back and remember the day Sarah came in and said, I'm pregnant. And you try to recall all those feelings and everything that that just came over you all at once. And I've been thinking about that lately. And I've been thinking about from that moment, God is so good to give you like eight or nine months, you know, not that eight or nine months really gets you totally ready. Cause it doesn't, I mean, it's a fair amount of time. It's not, it's not like at the end of that, you're like, okay, I'm ready. Especially if you've never had one of these before. Now, if you've had one before, whatever, I'm not talking about you. I'm talking about, <laughs> I'm talking about me and how we'd never had one before. And so again, there's a certain amount of uncertainty about what's getting ready to take place. And I remember at the beginning of that thinking, there's real room for fear here. Why? Because I've never done this before. I have no experience with this. Is anybody, do we have any couples in here that are expecting? Wait, uh, Jamil, you guys are? Praise God, man, that's exciting. Anybody, it's your first? It's your first? <laughs> uh, anybody else? Anybody else? Well, along with that, that inexperience is that uncertainty, but to keep from being afraid that whole time, I had to find some sort of source for my boldness. Now, let me give you my source for boldness uh, from the moment Sarah told me she was pregnant and through that whole nine months leading up to Justice birth, I had a source for boldness. Yes, I was nervous at times and, and uh, had a lot of questions. Again, never experienced it. And let me just throw this in here. You can read as many books as you want <laughs> or your, your wife can read as many books as, as she wants. Uh, but there's just no replacing the experience of that. And a lot of people are like, well, we're going to get a plant before we have a kid. Okay. <laughs> we're going to get a dog. Great. It's not the same. I just, I don't know how to explain it. It's just not the same. So in that time period where I've got to get ready and there's this certain amount of uncertainty that goes along with it, I had to find some sort of source for boldness because I refuse to be afraid of this thing. I don't want to be gripped by fear this whole way just because I've never experienced it before. But boldness is one of those things. You can't just put it on. You can try to fake it, but you're faking it. <laughs> boldness, true boldness, true confidence has to have a source. And boldness is confidence and confidence is knowing. We'll get back to scripture here in just a second. But I had to have a source for boldness in the middle of this whole new experience that I really had no frame of mind to come at from. Do you want to know what my source for boldness throughout that nine months was? This is so deeply spiritual that I just have to share it with you. Not really. Here was my source. From the moment she told me she was pregnant, there was something I kept reminding myself of over and over and over. And I would just say that the millions of people, tens of millions, hundreds of millions, throughout the course of human history, by now billions of people who have had kids. Surely I am not the dumbest one. And I, I really, I really felt like I probably don't even break the top 10 of dumbest people that have ever lived that had kids. 
surely there has to be some that are just dumber than I am and they lived and their kids grew up. So that was my source for boldness was that I'm gonna be okay. I'm gonna be okay. There's no way I'm the dumbest guy on this planet. I'm gonna be all right. Now that's helping somebody right now in here. Let me just encourage you. You are not the dumbest person on this planet. I bet in this entire room, we, don't, we may have maybe one person in the top 10, but probably not even... <laughs> Probably not even top 10 dumbest people on the planet. No, I'm just kidding. But that was my source. I know I'm not the dumbest guy on the planet. Boldness is confidence. Confidence is knowing something. So, okay, back to scripture. Here's, my, here's what I'm trying to say to you. For you and I to live bold beyond uncertainty in our lives. For you and I to live in a way that is not afraid of the future. You're not afraid of what's ahead of you. We're going to get into this today and you're going to see some things, but here's what I want you to see. First of all, you have to have a source for your boldness. Boldness is confidence and confidence is knowing something. How did he say to come to the throne of grace? Boldly. Well, if boldness is confidence and confidence is knowing something, then you to come boldly to the throne of grace, you have to know what you're going to get when you, when you get there. To come boldly to the, throne of God, to the throne of God, then you need to know with confidence what's waiting for you when you get there. If you did not know was, what was at the throne of grace, you may not be bold when you came. If you were under the uh, impression of God that, you know, he's got good days and bad days and some folks he likes and others he just doesn't seem to. And some folks are the lucky ones and they get the blessing and others don't. And yeah, you know, you could come today and he might be nice to you or he might kill you. If, if that was your idea of him, you might not come so boldly. Amen. But if you knew, if you just knew what was waiting for you at that throne, you would come busting in there day after day after day and say, hey, Jesus, I'm back, baby. What's up? Hey. You may not call Jesus baby, but you know what I'm saying. <laughs> You'd come boldly. Why? Because when you get to the throne of grace, what's waiting for you? Somebody help me. Grace. Mercy. Mercy is what's waiting for you at the throne of grace, that you would obtain that grace and find that mercy to help in a time of need. You can be bold and confident to come to God because you know what's there when you get there. If you knew that there was no condemnation when you got there, you'd come boldly. If you knew that he wasn't going to point at you and say guilty, if you knew he wasn't going to condemn you, then you'd go boldly. Well, you can know that. You can know that. I want to talk to you about being as certain of your future as you are of your present. You can probably ask anybody in this room and say, what's going on in life right now? And depending on who you ask, you might get a short answer or a long answer, but everybody can give you an answer of where they are and give you probably a detailed description of what's going on in your life, whether good or bad, you think it's positive or negative. And so many people are so ready with that negative explanation of what's going on, what I have, what I don't have, what I wish I did have, where I came from, where I didn't come from, where I wish I came from. And everybody can give you this, here's what's in my circle right now, here's what I'm standing in. But I'm talking to you about being as as able to describe your future as you are your present. But to do that, you got to know what's out there. 
To be confident about your future, to be bold regarding where you're headed, you have to know what's out there. Now, I know you don't know everything. I know you don't know exactly what it's going to look like, but there are some things from the word of God that you do know. Some people want to look into a crystal ball to have their future told to them. Others want to look at cards or palms or whatever. Allow me to look into the pages of this book and tell you your future. Do you want to know what's in your future? Mercy. How many times does the word of God say, for the Lord is good and his mercy endures forever. Forever means it's out there right now. Mercy is in your future. To be bold beyond the uncertainty, you're going to have to quit being depressed over what you don't know and start rejoicing over what you do know. And if all you knew was that Jesus is Lord, you know enough to keep from being depressed, to live bold beyond the uncertainty. So here's what we want to do this morning. I just want to, I want to get as far as we can in this. I've got several things on a list, but if we only get to one, we only get to one. But I want to give you source for boldness. I want to give you a source for boldness that extends beyond just the environment that you grew up in. Because there's, there's a certain amount of courage or, or lack of that, that relates back to the environment we grew up in and the kind of house you were brought up in and what did your parents like? And if your dad was kind of an adventurous guy, then maybe you were too. But you know what? There's, that only goes so far. The kind of boldness I'm talking to you about extends into every arena of your life. And living without fear, you've got to address, address the fear of the future. There's nothing to be afraid of. If you have Jesus and you know the word of God, there's nothing to be afraid of. Say that. There's nothing to be afraid of. <laughs> Living bold beyond the uncertainty. I want you to see this. Go back over to Hebrews chapter 10. And I, want to, I want to give you several reasons and source for your boldness. Verse 19 again. Therefore, brethren, having boldness to enter the holiest. Now stop right there a minute. This is a huge statement. Having boldness to enter the holiest, the throne room. Of all the places in all the universe that it would make more sense to come very quietly and sheepishly and quite honestly with a lot of fear, it would be to the throne of the one who made it all. I could come up with some reasons to, to maybe be afraid to approach God creator of the universe, giver of life, put that breath in your lungs today. He did all of that. And of all the places I could think that you were going to come into with maybe a little bit of hesitation, you know what it's like just being in the presence of somebody who's a little bit famous. You kind of get, uh, uh, Hey, how, hi, how are you? I, I really like that one thing you did. And, um, so what do you like to do? And you're all nervous and, and you don't know what to say. And, uh, and you walk away and you're like, Oh, I'm such an idiot. I was just, I should have just been myself. Oh, I'm so much cooler than that. Let me try again. Let me try. <laughs> and that's of somebody that's just a little bit famous. I'm talking about God. And he said, come how boldly. Now he's going to give you source for your boldness here, but here's what I want you to see. Whatever is enough to make you bold in the presence of God is more than enough to make you bold in the face of your enemy. Whatever is enough to cause you to come before God with confidence is more than enough to face your future with confidence. 
Whatever could cause you to stand boldly before the living God with your head high, free from guilt and free from shame, whatever that was is more than enough to cause you to do the same thing in the presence of Satan himself. What's your source for boldness? Therefore, brethren, having boldness to enter the holiest by the blood of Jesus. There's your first source for boldness. The blood of Jesus. The blood of Jesus represents the price that was paid for you. And when you know the price that was paid for something, then you also know the value of that thing. When you know the price that was paid for you, now you're beginning to get an understanding of what you're worth to him. See, when man fell in the Garden of Eden, Scripture tells us in Romans chapter 5 that sin entered and death through sin and death reigned. Death reigned. Death was in control. Sin and death were in control. You want to know what happened? You were literally taken hostage by death. Death held a knife at your throat, kidnapped you, hostage mankind, and said to God, if you ever want to see them alive again, I demand perfection. I demand the price be paid. It's a hostage situation. Death reigned. And at that moment, God's plan went into place to get his man back. And when the time came, 1 Peter tells us that you were not redeemed, you were not bought back with silver or with gold, but with the precious blood of Christ. It was the blood that bought you back. And God wanted you back so bad. He wanted you back in his fellowship. He wanted you back in his family. Then it, when it came time, he put the blood of Jesus on the table. He said, there, that's what I'm willing to give. That's what I'm willing to pay. I want him back. That's what you're worth to him. That's what you are worth to him. I saw this great picture of it as I was reading through the Old Testament early on this year, I made it all the way to Exodus. Um, there's this great picture, the shadow of Jesus and Moses is giving instruction on the atonement and the atonement that everybody was required to pay when they came to the temple. And it was a certain amount, but there was a statement in there that really caught my attention. And anytime you see in the Old Testament talking about atonement or ransom or redemption, you know this is a picture of Jesus. And it said that everybody was required to pay this certain amount. And he made this statement, the rich shall pay no more and the poor shall pay no less. And I thought, what a picture of Jesus. The same price was paid for every man. No matter rich or poor with this world's goods, the blood of Jesus is the great equalizer. The blood of Jesus is what puts you on the same level in the eyes of God as any other man, woman, or child on this planet. No matter of their earthly wealth or lack of, the blood of Jesus, the price that was paid for you, puts you up on that level. And if you know what price was paid for you, you knew what you're worth, could you see yourself being a little more bold about your future? Could you see yourself being a little more bold about what's ahead of you? See, really what I'm talking to you about today is, again, it's not a fake thing. It's not putting something on. I'm talking to you about hearing the same news that this whole world hears and responding differently. 
I'm talking to you about being able to hear the same report that everybody else heard and that same report that depresses them and oppresses them and panics them and worries them, but you instead, you respond in boldness. It's a different response. That's what I'm talking to you about. And the blood of Jesus is not something to just be mindful of. That is your response. Are you with me? You come under attack in your life, no matter what it is, your response is, whoa, 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 the blood of Jesus still speaks for me. I've been ransomed, I've been bought back, I do not belong to this world system, I have a new nature and I'm choosing to live out of that nature. There's boldness in that, confidence in that. You are more aware and confident and know what the blood of Jesus has done on your behalf than you are of what this world can do against you. Are you with me? Therefore, brethren, having boldness to enter by the blood of Jesus, if the blood of Jesus was enough to make you bold in the presence of God, it's more than enough to make you bold in the face of Satan himself. Amen. Same thing gives you boldness. By a new and living way, which he consecrated for us. I won't take a lot of time to get into this, but notice what he said. It's a new and living way that he did, not an old and dead way that you did. It's a new and living way that he made, not an old dead way that you made. The old way of living was you, tried, you had to try to make your way to God. You had to measure up, you had to perform, but the new and living way is the way that Jesus made. He performed, he measured up, and he made the way for you. There's your source for boldness. He did it. He made it. You understand that? There's so much here, but I want to keep going by new and living way that he consecrated for us through the veil that is his flesh, having a high priest over the house of God. This is so huge. This is your source for boldness. You have a high priest. Here's how you come boldly, confidently knowing what's in the presence of God waiting for you. You have a high priest whose name is Jesus. Now, if you go back and study that, you find that the lineage of the high priest came out of the tribe of Levi and that name Levi, if you study it, his name literally means attached. So here's what you have in Jesus. Are you ready? You have someone who's attached to both God and you. That's what the high priest was in the Old Testament. They're the ones who went to God on behalf of the people and came to the people on behalf of God. Now what you and I have in Jesus, of course we know that Jesus is the representation of God to us. Of course we know that he's the visible image of the invisible God. But did you know that not only does he represent God to you, he represents you to God. What better representation could you ask for? I mean, if somebody's going to play you in the movie of your life, who would you want it to be? Jesus is your representation, man. He's the one standing before God. And when God is talking to you, he's looking at Jesus. Is that enough to give you boldness in the presence of God? To know that you're not coming in there because you made your own way and you worked for it and you earned it. You're coming in there because of the way that he made. And he is your high priest. He's attached to God. He is just as much attached to you as he is to God. He's your high priest. Yeah, this is your source. For boldness. This goes on. Let us draw near with a true heart and full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience, our bodies washed with pure water. Your source for boldness is you are more mindful of, of your righteous place in God than you are your sin. 
You've had your heart sprinkled from that, washed clean of that. And if you are constantly thinking about what you've done wrong, how you've missed it again over and over and over, and you are under that condemnation, there is no boldness coupled with that. You cannot be bold and live under that kind of condemnation. You can't. Your boldness comes when you know that he who knew no sin was made to be sin for you, that you might be made the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. There's where your boldness comes from. That's the source of it. I want you to go now to the book. Let's look at uh, Joshua chapter one. Continue to build on this just a little bit. Joshua one, living bold beyond the uncertainty. After the death of Moses, verse one, the servant of the Lord, it came to pass that the Lord spoke to Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' assistant, saying, Moses, my servant is dead. Now, therefore, arise, go over this Jordan, you and all this people to the land which I am giving to them, the children of Israel. Look at, look at this promise in verse three. Every place that the sole of your foot will tread upon, I have given you as I said to Moses. Now, if you're not watchful and you stop reading right there, then you hear that promise, but you're hearing it incomplete because he went on. But if you stop right there and, it's, and you've got this word from God that says, I'll give you every place that the sole of, uh, sole of your foot will tread upon, what happens is, see, we've, we've been bold. In it. We've been bold. Uh, but I think there are times that we've been, what I heard somebody call the other day, uh, we've lived in unwarranted boldness. See, boldness without a source for it is not boldness. It's presumption. Um, how does faith come? By what? By hearing. And hearing how? By the word of God. So unless you have a word, then you don't have faith. The reason I'm so confident where the healing of my body is concerned, the healing of my family, the health and the well-being of my wife and my child, the reason I'm so confident in that is because I know what the Word says about it. I heard the Word on it. Faith came. But how many of you know that, that there's not always like chapter and verse for every, like the detail of everything you're dealing with? Now there's, there's foundation in the Word for all of it. But... You know, you're trying to decide which part of town to move to, and there's nothing in there about Dallas-Fort Worth. <laughs> I know, you've looked. You've looked for it. You've gotten out every Greek dictionary you can find, and nothing, there's nothing about what, what house you're supposed to move to. Well, what do you need then? You need a word from Him. You need to hear from the Spirit of God. Now, here's, here's what you need to pay attention to. You can have whatever He says you can have. Whatever he says you can have, either through that book in your lap or through the witness of the Spirit in you, you can have what he says you can have. But if he hasn't told you that you can have something, there's no such thing as faith for that thing. Because faith came by hearing and hearing by the word. And if you don't have a word on it, then there is no faith for it and there is no boldness. And if you're trying to put on boldness saying, I believe I received this house, this house, this house, this house, and God's over here going, uh, this one. This one. No, 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 no. I received this one. Newer, bigger, nicer. I like this one. No, he said, no, no, this one. This is what I said. This is where I want you right now. So you cannot have faith for something that he didn't tell you you could have. Yeah. 
Are you with me? And we've put on this boldness. We put on this, what we've called like our, our confession. And if you've heard, if you've been around here in this environment long at all, then you know that there is power in your confession. There is power in the word of God coming out of your mouth. And there are people that don't believe in that. There are people that argue against that. I don't believe in that name in it and claim in it and all of that kind of thing. But let me tell you something. If there, if there was no truth to power in your confession, then you wouldn't be born again. How are you born again? You believed in your heart and you confessed it. You confessed it with your mouth. But here's what you need to notice. Confession means to say the same thing. And Jesus is the high priest over our confession. Jesus is the high priest over our saying the same thing. Same as what? Same as who? Him. So your confession, your confession that brought salvation into your life, do you know why it's powerful? Because you're saying the same thing about Jesus that God said about him. God said he is Lord. God put him on the throne. God gave him the name that was above every name. And you said, yeah, I say the same thing about him. What makes your confession of sin powerful is because you're saying, God, you call this sin. It's sin. I agree with you. I call it sin. I, you don't want it. I don't want it. Amen. That's what makes the confession of sin powerful because you're saying the same thing about it that God is saying. You want to know why they call it a guilty confession? Because somebody called you guilty and you said, yeah, you're saying the same thing. You can have boldness in your confession as long as you know that's what God is saying. And if it's something in that word, then be bold. Say it, receive it, lay hold of it. Not long ago, uh, back in February, Sarah and I were, had been invited to speak in a church. And it was right around the time that it was snowing in America. Do you guys remember that? Uh, and you remember that we got hit really hard down here with a lot of ice. Well, this place we were going to got hit really hard with a lot of ice too. And um, the closer we got to it, we were just listening to the Lord and the pastor had called and he said, look, there's no pressure. If we need to reschedule, we'll reschedule. And we were just listening, listening all along. And we got up to the day before we we're supposed to leave. And I said, Sarah, what, what's in your heart? Do you think we're supposed to go? And she said, I, I, don't, I, don't have any, I don't have anything pushing me towards it. I, I really think we're supposed to stay and reschedule. And I said, I agree. Now watch this. The Lord said, stay. Do I have any business going out to the airplane and saying, by the blood of Jesus and Psalm 91, I'm going to get onto this airplane and you listen to me, somebody, I'm going to the other side and I'm going to make my way and we're headed out. We're going to go and come home and from side to side and back to front and all the way around. God's protecting us. Wait a second. I can't go out there and make all those good faith confessions if he said stay. There is no faith to go if he said stay. There's no faith to go if he said stay. What about Psalm 91? He gave, he gave me Psalm 91 when he said stay. He said, right here is the secret place. Don't go anywhere. My secret place is right here. If you go somewhere that I didn't tell you to go, and you're not where I told you to be, 
then how can you have faith for protection in that place when I told you my protection for you is here? You understand this? Now, the reason I said that to you is look at this in Joshua chapter one. Verse three says, every place the sole of your foot will tread upon, I have given you, as I said to Moses. Verse four though, from the wilderness of this Lebanon, as far as the great river, the river Euphrates, all the land of the Hittites to the great sea toward the going down of the sun shall be your territory. Now, yes, that is a lot of land, but I want you to notice something. It's got borders. It's got limitations to it. And God said, when you are inside these borders, it's yours. I've given it to you. You can lay hold of it. You can be bold to receive it. That's why it's so important to connect with the voice of God. You, you cannot live and walk by faith without fellowship and relationship with him. That's why some people have, have determined for themselves that this life of faith, this word of faith thing, it really doesn't work because I did this and I turned this key and I did this thing and I, the four steps and the six steps and the 12 steps and I did all of that. Look, folks, God is not a math problem. He's a living being. And you cannot have faith outside of what he said to you that you could have faith in him for. John chapter 10, Jesus says in, in verse 10, you know this one, that, that uh, the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy, but I've come that you'd have, ever, or have abundant life. And we've gotten all excited about abundant life, and as we should. I mean, you find out what abundant means, and praise God, you'd be shouting and hollering, ooh, excessive, abundant, overflow, more than enough, more than enough. I said, say more than enough, more than enough, more than, say hallelujah, hallelujah. And you get really excited about abundance, and you should get excited about it. But the thing about it is, that's John 10, 10. John 10, one through nine, the nine verses that come before John 10, 10, are Jesus saying, my sheep know my voice. Amen. A stranger's voice they will not follow. I will call them by name and lead them out. You are following right now whatever's familiar to you. And you are running from whatever's strange to you. And if the voice of the leadership of the Spirit is strange to you, you're not following it. Amen. And there's no abundant life outside of connecting to the voice and the Word of God. Now, if you've got a word from Him, be bold. If you have a word from God, be bold beyond the uncertainty. If he has spoken to you about your future, don't let your inexperience keep you out of it. If he's spoken to you about the steps of faith that you are supposed to take, don't, don't stay away from it just because you've never been there before. If you, if you refuse to go anywhere that you've never been, then you'll never go anywhere. You're going to stay right where you are the, your entire life. But don't let your inexperience of it, keep you in fear. Be bold beyond the uncertainty. And if he's given you a word and if he's given you the boundaries of it, you can have whatever he says you can have. Amen. Don't go claiming something he didn't tell you you could have. Are you with me on this? Your boldness, there is no boldness outside of hearing this voice from God. There is no boldness outside of the leadership of the Spirit of God. I mean, we are watching this happen in our lives all the time. The Lord has done so many amazing things in this little baby ministry that we're in just in the last six or seven months. He is literally overwhelming us with His goodness all the time. And we just look at each other going, what, 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 
where'd this come from? What's going on? He's so good. But to walk in that abundance, you've got to connect to the voice. You've got to connect to the word of God and go where he said go and don't go where he said don't go. Early this year, the Lord spoke to us about our ministry and he said, I'll allow you to take this many invitations this year and next year. And when he first said it, it felt like a goal. It felt like something to shoot for. It felt like something to believe for. But the more we prayed about it, we realized it's a limit. He set a limit because there's some other things that he wants us involved in that are outside of just traveling and speaking in a church. So he set this limit. In other words, he began to say to us, look, you can take this many. The, the, the very one, the next one that you take beyond that, I'm not in it. Amen. That's what he said to us. He said, the one that you take beyond my instruction to you, I'm not in it. So there'd be no way for me to get on the airplane, travel to that church and all the way going, I believe we're going to have miracles. I believe we're going to have salvations. I believe people are going to get set free. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. That's about to be the deadest, driest, most boring service either of us ever sat in. Why? Because he's not in it. I cannot have faith for something he did not tell me I could have. I cannot have faith to do something he did not tell me I could do. But if he said I can have it, you better believe I'm bold. I'm bold to receive it. I'm bold beyond the uncertainty of the future. God goes on in, in his speech to Joshua and he says to him, verse six, be strong and of good courage. For to this people you will divide as an inheritance the land which I swore to their fathers to give them. Only be strong and very courageous. Verse nine, have I not commanded you be strong and of a good courage? You and I both know when God starts throwing around this little word be, watch your back. Stuff's about to happen. Am I right? When God says be light, be what happens? Lie was let there be light there be light. That's what happens. That's what happens when God says be. He calls out of nothing. He calls something into existence. What do you think he's doing to Joshua? Here's a guy whose leader has just died. Now he's got a million or two people following him and he's got to take them into this unknown land, this place they've never been before. And oh yeah, there's 20 or 30 battles along the way. And God has to say to him over and over, be strong, be courageous. Do not be afraid. Do not be dismayed. He said to him, only be strong. In other words, don't be anything else but strong. Don't be anything else but bold. And he's looking into Joshua in that emptiness, in that cavern where there's uncertainty and there's fear about the future. And you know what he does? He speaks boldness into him and he calls boldness and strength into existence and courage. That's why the scripture says, take courage, take heart. You've got to take it. Are you with me? God speaks into this man and he says, courage, be strength, be boldness, be. Now, if I'm Joshua or you're Joshua, you're probably saying, okay, God, I'll be bold, but here's what I'm going to need for boldness. I'm going to need to know exactly how all this is about to go down. <laughs> and if I got to fight, I'll fight and I'll be bold. As long as you tell me where are they coming from? How many of them are there? Um, what day is this battle going to be on? What's the weather going to be like that day? So if I can dress appropriately, I'll have that kind of advantage. So if you could just kind of unfold all the details of my future out to me. Oh yeah, then I'd be bold. 
And that's what people want. That's what people want for, to know about their future. I want to know how this is all going to go down. And they think I can't be certain until I know all of that. But that's not what God gave Joshua as a source for boldness. What did he tell him? Verse nine, look at it again. Have I not commanded you be strong and of good courage? Do not be afraid. Do not be dismayed. For the Lord, your God is with you wherever you go. That's all he gave him. You got all these battles. Okay, help me be bold. Okay, I'm with you. You got to lead all these people, Joshua. Yeah, I know. Help me be bold. Okay, I'm with you. I'm with you wherever you go. And the same promise he made to him on that day, he's making to you today. The very last thing Jesus said to those disciples before he ascended into heaven was, you go into all the earth and lo, I am with you always, even to the ends of this earth. I'm with you. I'm with you. The Lord, your God is with you wherever you go. Now, again, that's not just something for you to think. That's your response. How do you respond to this economic downturn? The Lord, my God is with me wherever I go. How do you respond to the health crisis in America? The Lord, my God is with me wherever I go. That's your response. I'm talking to you about living out of a new nature. You know, this is the language God speaks. When you get a new nature, when you, when you are introduced into a new culture, a new environment, oftentimes there's a new language. There's a new way of speaking. There's new customs. There's, there's a, a, a new everything. I think about a city like New York City and you can go from block to block and be in one culture in one moment and cross the street and you're an entirely different culture, an entirely different way of thinking. And what might be okay over here is rude over here, right? Because you're crossing from culture into culture into culture. And the scripture says in Ephesians 2 that you used to walk according to the course of the culture of this world. And if this world was up, you were up. If it was down, you were down. If the world was sick, you were sick. If the world was broke, you were broke. If the world was depressed, you were depressed. Why? Because you walked step by step according to the course, the culture of this world. He says you were by nature children of wrath just as the others. Nothing different about you. You looked like everybody else. You talked like everybody else. You acted like everybody else. Every decision you made was right in line with the rest of this world right down the road. That was how you lived your life according to that culture all the time, every day, all day. But Ephesians 2 goes on to say, but God who is rich in mercy, he pulled you out of that culture. But when he brought and pulled you out of that culture, he puts you into a new one. And there are so many people, maybe even some of us in here, you get so frustrated with people that come to your country from another country and you say, well, I just wish they'd learn to speak the language. Man, why can't you just learn to speak my language? You come to my country, you better learn to speak my language, man. Come on, somebody. <laughs> and you get so frustrated with people who don't know how to speak your language. What do you think God is saying? I just wish you'd learn to speak my language. We could communicate. I could impart to you. I could give you what I want to give you if you'd learn to speak my language. My little boy right now, he's not even a year old. And you know what? His vocabulary is a, is a strong three words deep. And several months ago, we were just sitting in the kitchen and out of nowhere, you know what came out of his mouth? Dada. Dada. Oh, I, I felt like a champ. I mean, I won. I win. This was... 
It was such a day for me. I loved it. I got so happy and everything was dad. It didn't matter to me that he didn't really know what that meant. It didn't matter to me that everything was dad. His high chair was dad. His avocado was dad. And mama was dad. And it didn't matter. He's, he's learning to speak. And the more that he's grown and developed, I mean, he's now saying mama and he's saying hi, hi, hi. Everything is hi. He says hi to everything, to everyone, strangers, relatives. It doesn't matter. He'll say it to the living room. He'll say hi to anything and everything. But the reason that so thrills me and Sarah, the reason we get so stinking excited over that and we're calling people and, and recording it and video and pictures and say it again, say it again, say it again, dad, 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 oh, that's so cute, I love it, I love it, I love it. The reason, the reason we get so excited about that is because he is learning to speak our language. He is learning to communicate with us. Now, what do you think would have happened if early on and he, he just started grunting at everything like he did <laughs> and just loud noises and, you know, you can't figure out what he's saying. What if we had freaked out and said, oh my gosh, he doesn't speak our language. We better learn to speak his. And we just start talking to him. <laughs> Nobody would have gotten anywhere. The thing that so thrills us is he is learning to speak our language. Did you know faith is the language God speaks? And without faith, it's impossible to please him. And I just get this image of people who, who go to God and they think they're being heard and they're, they come in worry and fear and God, why don't you do this? And why haven't you done this? Can't you see what I need? What's the matter with you? I thought you were supposed to be a God of love. And you know what it sounds like? God's like, what? I don't, what? No habla worry, you know? So you think, so you think, okay, I must not be getting through. You know what I'm going to do? I'm going to worry louder. And if I'm watching the Spanish channel, I don't get it. I don't understand what's going on. And it doesn't help me to turn it up. It doesn't do anything more for me just because it's louder. And you start worrying louder. You start getting afraid louder. And it's still, it's, it's, you got to learn to speak his language. His language is faith. Now, I think we've thought that it had to be technically perfect and it had to be just right and just so before God would hear it. Do you think I'm demanding technical perfection out of my little boy right now? It's daddy, not dada. What's the matter with you? No way. I'll take anything that's close, man. And I, I think sometimes in the middle of your, your rant towards God, why well, haven't this and I haven't that and what's going on with this? And, and somewhere along the way, you just stop and you say, Father, in the name of Jesus. And God goes, he said it. He said it. Jesus said it. Oh, it was so precious. Say it again. Say it again. Jesus. Oh, it was so good. It was so good. Oh, I love it. And God's going, what can I do for you? What, just, just tell me, what can I do? I love it when you say that. I love it. And then you get a little kid who's a little bit older and you know they know some words, but instead they revert back to the grunting, right? And what does a parent say to a child who they know knows how to say some words? What do they say? 
What? What? Use your words. Use your words. What do you think God's saying to you? Use my words. Use my, I taught you, I taught you how to respond to this. I taught you how to respond to this bad news. Where's your boldness? Use your boldness. Come on, you can do it. And you may just squeak out of Jesus, I believe. And God says, that's so good. I love it. I love it. Learning to speak his language. That's what you and I have got to do. If two people are going to communicate with each other, if they're going to have a conversation and get anywhere, they have to be speaking the same language, talking about the same things. Praise the Lord. The Lord your God is with you everywhere you go. If we had time, I'd take you over to the book of Genesis. We'd look at the life of Joseph. This little 17-year-old guy who comes in one day and says, Hey, everybody, I, I had a dream. Y'all want to hear it? <laughs> and all of his, other bro his older brothers said, No. And he says, Okay, here it goes. Well, I, I, had, this, I had this dream, right? And, and all y'all worship me. The end. Isn't that great? <laughs> so they hate him. So you know what he does? He comes back and says, hey, everybody, I had another dream. Y'all want to hear it? No. Okay, here it is. I had this other dream, right? And all y'all worship me. The end. Isn't that great? Where would this guy, where? He knows his brothers hate him. Notice his boldness to just keep coming back. I had another dream. I had another dream. Bold where his dreams were concerned. You want to know what I think the key is to all of it? You go back and look at it. Genesis chapter 37. There's, there's one scripture in there. If you're not careful, you'll read right over it. But it says this. Now, his father loved Joseph more than all of his brothers. What was the key and the source to Joseph's boldness? He knew how much his daddy loved him. The most dangerous person on this planet is the believer who knows how much they're loved. The most effective, the most kingdom effective person in this world is the born again child of God that knows how much God loves them. Because when you know how much he loves you, you know there's nothing he wouldn't do for you. And then on the other side of that, when you know how much he loves others, you know there's nothing he wouldn't do through you. Because if he loves others is even half as much as he loves you. I mean, come on, he'd be willing to do anything and he could even use me to do it. That'll make you bold, won't it? Isn't that where we lack boldness sometimes? When God has given you something to give to somebody else, you think, I don't, I can't say that. I, I'm not a preacher. I, I don't do that kind of thing. I don't know. I don't know. And God has gone out of his way. He's trying to get it over to some poor sap who's laying in the bed sick, even though they've heard all this word on healing, even though they've heard all these great messages and read the word themselves, they're just laying there in their sickness and in their pity. So God has done everything he can do to try to get over to them how much he loves them and they're still not getting it. So you know what he does? He wakes you up and says, I've got a word for them through you. Be bold. Don't sweat that. You be bold. The only reason he's doing it is because he loves them. The only reason he's speaking to you is because he loves them and he can't get through to them any other way. So just be bold. Be bold to step out. Be bold to share the word of God. 
Just a few weeks ago, we pulled up into the grocery store parking lot, and we were looking for a good place to park, couldn't find one, so we end up almost all the way back. And the, the first spot I come across, I pull in, and I'm driving, so the car I pull up next to on my left-hand side, there's a guy sitting in the passenger seat of that car, and I look over, his window's down, he's got breathing tubes coming out of his nose, he's, he's pale and thin, and I thought, this is where I was supposed to park. So I get out and, you know, he starts the conversation. He says, excuse me, can you dig around in my back seat? I've got an extra tank of air back there and I can't find it. What am I going to say? <laughs> no. <laughs> of course, yeah, let me find it. So I went in there, I dug around, found his air tank, got him hooked up and everything. And I said, what's your name? He said, my name's John. I said, John, what can I pray with you about today? As if it wasn't obvious. He's like, well, you know, I guess just this breathing and, and um, you know, I'm just not feeling real good. So instead of doing that thing, well, brother, we'll, we'll keep you in our prayers. God bless you. Man, I grabbed his hand right then and there and I said, Father, I thank you in the name of Jesus for filling my brother John with the breath of God and the life of God and causing him to breathe free and breathe easy. And I thank you, Lord, for restoring his life and just prayed the prayer of faith right then and there for him. I said, great to meet you, brother, and went on my way. 30 seconds of boldness had an impact on a man. What would 30 seconds of boldness in your life do for somebody else? if you knew how much God loved you and how much he loved them. As a matter of fact, 1 John chapter 4 says, love has been perfected among us in this. In other words, this is how you know that love is at work in you. When you have boldness in the day of judgment. Because as he is, so are we in this world. And if there's anybody that's saying, man, I just don't have that kind of boldness. I don't have that kind of courage to step out. I've just seen it done wrong so many times. I don't know. How can I have that kind of boldness? You know what I would say to you? I would say, get your Bible and go sit and read every scripture you can on the love of God. And feed on it and feed on it and feed on it. He loves me. 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 1 John chapter 3, verse 1. Behold, look at this. Pay attention to this. Wake up to what manner of love the Father has bestowed on us. Look at how much God loves us. Look at it. I mean it. Look at it. If you've got to close your eyes to see it, then close them. Living by faith is learning to see with these eyes closed. And you get that image on the inside of how much God loves you and what he's done for you and what he's brought you through. And if you've got nothing else to be thankful for except that you're still alive, that's enough. And you just get happy over that. And quit being depressed over what you think you don't know and start rejoicing over what you do know. Mercy is in my future. Why? Because he loves me. Goodness of God is in my future. Why? Because he loves me. Healing is in my future because he loves me. Salvation is in my future because he loves me. Deliverance is in my future because he loves me. My future is good because he loves me. I will run my race. I will finish my course. I will not quit. I will not quit. I am not a quitter. And I refuse to quit because he loves me. And you just feel that boldness start to rise up on the inside of you. David, out there on that battlefield, getting ready to fight Goliath. I can't remember, I'm talking to you about your response. Your response to the same bad news that everybody else heard. 
That whole entire army, including the king, had heard bad news day after day after day from Goliath. I'm going to kill you. You're going to serve us. I'm going to kill you. You're going to serve us. I'm going to kill you. You're going to serve us. And they heard it day after day after day. And the scripture says they turned and fled in fear. But David came and the first time he heard it, you want to know what his response was? What do I get if I kill him? If he dies and I did it, do I get anything good? Well, yeah, you get the king's daughter and you don't have to pay any more taxes. And he's like, you had me at king's daughter. Let's go. What's up? <laughs> and that kind of boldness, you remember his, bro his oldest brother heard him and said, you're full of pride. People will mistake your boldness. They'll think it's cocky. They'll think it's arrogance. They'll think it's pride. But as long as your boldness is nothing more than foundation, founded in the Word of God, if that's your foundation, then let them think what they're going to think. And that boldness was so different, it so stood out in the middle of people who were nothing but afraid. You find somebody that was nothing but bold, guess what happened? It made its way to the king. And the king said, get him in here. And you remember this whole exchange, right? Saul said, who are you? David said, let me, go, let me go fight. Let me fight him. And Saul said, you can't fight him. You're a youth. And he's been a warrior, a champion from his youth. And David said, look, my God was with me when I fought the lion. My God was with me when I fought the bear. He will deliver me from this uncircumcised Philistine just the same way. In other words, I've got a source for my boldness. God did it for me once. He did it for me again and again and again. I'm here now because he did it for me. I have reason and excuse to be bold. And you know what happened? Saul looked at him. And I believe with all my heart that Saul, as soon as he heard David say those words and he saw that kind of boldness in action, I think he knew right then and there, this kid's going to go out here, fight this jerk and win. Yeah. I think he knew it. I think he knew right then David's about to fight this fight and win. I think Saul saw something on David that he recognized because it used to be on him. What was it? The anointing. David had been anointed. Saul was no longer anointed. And I think he saw it. I think he was familiar with it on David. So much so that he said, okay, you go fight. And here, take my armor. Now, you know as well as I do that Saul's armor was different than, than just the general enlisted men's armor, right? I mean, that armor, his helmet, his sword, his shield, his breastplate, every bit of it had the markings of the king on it. And I believe that Saul was so confident that David was going to win this fight that he wanted to send him out there and he wanted people to know that at least I sanctioned this fight. And if they see me, if they see David in my armor, then they'll know I had something to do with this. But what happened? David put it on and he said, King, I can't go out there like this. In other words, I can't go out there and fight under your identity. Quit trying to fight under somebody else's identity. David ran out there to that giant. And here's what happened. The giant said, I'm going to kill you. And David said, no, I'm going to kill you. <laughs> so you have two very bold statements, two very certain statements about the future. They both can't be right. But I want you to notice this was David's response. David's response to I'm going to kill you was no, I'm going to kill you. And David says, as a matter of fact, you come at me with a sword and a spear. I come at you 
in the name of the Lord of hosts. And I will kill you and I will cut off your head. I will feed your body to the birds. And then he said this, that the whole world would know there's a God in Israel. His boldness. He said, these are your weapons, a sword and a spear. This is my weapon, the name. The name. The name of the Lord. What boldness. What boldness. He had experience to call on. What boldness. He was not fighting under somebody else's identity. He was bold in who he was in God. I come to you in the name of the Lord. I'm in that name. When you come to God in the name of Jesus to your high priest, you literally quit, quit just thinking about it as the words you say just before you eat. In Jesus' name, amen. Whenever you come to God, I come to you in the name of Jesus. What do the scriptures say? The name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous run into it. You go get inside that name. That's what David did. He got inside the name of the Lord. I could be bold inside there. And if armor represents identity, if Saul said, here, take my identity, fight with my name, fight with my approval, and his armor represented that, what do you suppose Ephesians chapter 6 is talking about when he says, take unto you the whole armor of God? God is saying to you, fight with my name. Fight with my identity. Here, put my helmet on. Here, use my sword. God is giving you his identity to fight with. Do you think you could be bold if your enemy looked at you and thought it was God? Because that's what's happening. Your enemy sees you and they see the lion of the tribe of Judah, Jesus himself, come roaring in their face when you put the word of God in your mouth. Isn't that good? Last scripture, Genesis chapter 13. There's a lot of context here that we won't get into. I want you to just see one verse. I'd encourage you to go back and study it because there's some great life application. But I want you to see this. Genesis 13, verse 14. God is speaking to Abram. It says, The Lord said to Abram after Lot had separated from him, Lift up your eyes now and look from the place where you are, northward, southward, eastward, and westward. For all the land which you see... I give to you and your descendants forever. The man had a word. The man had a word from God and it was his source for boldness. But I want you to see this word because every word of it is important. God said to Abram, lift up. Lift up. Get your head up. Let me just kind of coach you for a second. Get your chin up. Get your head up. You feel beat up. I don't care. Get your head up. Get it up out of the sand. Get it up. Lift up your head. Do you know who you are? Let me tell you who you are. You are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. You are more than a conqueror through him who loves you. That's who you are. Get your head up. And he said, lift up your eyes. I've been studying that word lift up. I found it in another place, translated stir up. In the New Testament, stir up. Paul said to Timothy, stir up the gift that's in you. You know what that word stir up meant in the, old, in the New Testament? Anazopereo is a Greek word made up of three Greek words. Ana, again, zo, meaning zoe, life, 
pereo, fire. Put life in the fire again. Stir up the gift. Refuel the gift. That gift in you, that calling in you, that thing in you that's propelling you to your future, that needs to have some fuel dumped on it because it's a fire waiting to burn in you. And whatever used to get you just so excited, whatever just used to get you thinking vision all the time, whatever got you thinking that nothing was impossible, go back and feed on that again. Whatever it was, whatever it is about your future or what God's called you into, I don't care if he's called you to have a cake making business. Go watch every show you can on those big, beautiful cakes they make and say, yeah, I can do that. I can do that. Oh, that looks good. That looks good. Not look good to eat, but you, you know what I mean. <laughs> Just go feed on whatever it is that, that fuels your future. Some of you guys are such brainiacs and math just really gets you excited, which is just strange. <laughs> but whatever it is, if that's your calling, if you, man, if you've got inventions in you, if you've got these, you think in equations, God bless you, but if that's, what, if that's you, then go back and feed on some of that stuff, man, that gets that fire burning in you again. For me, as a minister of the gospel, you know what it was? I read Reinhard Bonnke's autobiography. 600 and something pages of just miracle after miracle after miracle. Millions of people being born again. Hundreds of thousands all at one time coming to know Jesus, being healed in the, in the presence of God by the word of God. And I read it and it just fueled that fire on the inside of me. What was I doing? I was stirring up that fire again. Being bold about my future. Now, when God said to Abram, lift up, the Hebrew word there is nasah. N-A-S-A. And it just made me think NASA. <laughs> and I, I got this picture, NASA, this, this just overloaded with fuel rocket. It's got tons of fuel on board and the fire that ignites underneath that thing, more than enough to lift it up out of the atmosphere of Earth into space and propel it beyond into a place that nobody has been before. Bold beyond the uncertainty. That's what to me, God was saying to Abram, lift up, get your head up. And I want you to notice what he said to him, lift up your eyes and look from the place where you are. Lift up your eyes and look from the place. That's a little bit different than hang down your head and look at the place. There's so many people who are so caught up with the place that they're in. And yeah, they could describe to you the whole situation that they're standing in right now. They could describe to you their circumstances and this is what I am and what I'm going through. But you need to be able to describe your future with as much certainty as you, as you are able to describe your present. Do you have that ability? Do you have that confidence to describe and, and talk about your future with that kind of confidence that you talk about your present in? But that's what God was saying to Abram. Lift up your eyes. Look from this place, not at this place. Quit looking at the place you're in right now. This is not your limitation. This is not as far as you're going to go. And this is not as good as it gets. It gets better. You're going further, but you've got to look up and look from this place. Use this place that you're standing in right now as nothing more than a springboard to your future. If you are in the right place right now, it's only because your future requires you to be here. 
Because every step you take in God is foundation for the next step, foundation for the future. And if you are in the right place right now, it's because your future demands it. I need you here learning. I need you here growing because of what I've called you to, because of what's ahead of you. Don't get impatient. Let the Lord build in you what's going on right now. Let him develop some things in you. Lift up your head. Look from this place and say, my future is good. My future is bright. In God, all things work out for those who love him. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Lord. Let me leave you with this thought. Musicians, you guys, go ahead and come on up. You've heard it said, and maybe you've asked it before, but you know others have, and they've asked it for hundreds of years, thousands of years. Why does God allow so much suffering in this world? People are afraid to, to believe in God because they're uncertain of his, of his existence, and they want to know, well, if he's so loving, why does he allow all this suffering in the world? And I think God has been patient with that. I think he's been merciful over that. But I hear him right now on the inside answering that question, and I hear it so clearly. He's saying, look, I gave you my son. I gave you my name. I gave you my armor. I gave you the blood of Jesus. I gave you a high, pray, a high priest. I gave you a new and living way. I gave you the communion table, his spilt blood, his broken body. I gave you my word to stand on. I gave you promise after promise after promise. I gave you all of these things. Why do you allow so much suffering? And if you're going to be a part of stopping the suffering in this world, you're going to have to rise up, lift up your head, be bold in who God has called you to be, and put his word in your mouth. The word boldness means unreservedness of speech. Do not be afraid to give voice to the word of God inside of you. In Jesus' name, right now, Lord, I pray over this congregation. And I thank you, Father, for, for breeding boldness on the inside of them. I say to you, be bold, be strong. Do not be afraid. Do not be dismayed. The Lord, your God, is with you wherever you go. Your future is bright. You will run your race. You will finish your course. Your God is good and his mercy endures forever. Mercy is in your future. Grace is in your future. Favor is in your future. God himself is in your future waiting for you. So be bold and step out into the things he's called you to do in Jesus name. Amen. God bless you.